Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. Well, I'm going to speak today on something I wasn't planning on speaking about. I mean, I'm surprised about this as anyone, but God uh, made it clear that he wanted me to focus on an area that I was only going to mention briefly in the message I had planned, uh, just a little bit. Yet God just kept expanding this, going, no, I want you to make this the whole message. And that's on the area of authority. We tend to see Authority is something as being controlling, don't we? Or, or being controlled by another person. And none of us want that. None of us want to feel like we're being controlled or forced into submission. And so no wonder we will often rebel against um, this type of authority, if that's what we perceive it to be. But what I want for us to understand today is God's perspective of what authority is in his word. Uh, authority is more about order than it is about control. And from God's perspective, authority and submission is is about this framework and structure he has put in place for us to live in, to live under in this broken world, to help us flourish. Uh, this This is what I want us to get today. Authority isn't about dominating a person or suppressing a person. Authority in the Bible speaks of a framework in which we are to live where we can, we can best experience blessing in an imperfect world. And to serve as the foundation of this picture of authority, I'm going to turn to my favorite parable today, the parable of the three servants. And Jesus begins to tell the story by saying this, the kingdom is also like what happened when a man went away and put his three servants in charge of all he owned. The man knew what each servant could do. So he handed 5,000 coins to the first servant, 2,000 to the second, and 1,000 to the third. Then he left the country. A parable is a simple story Jesus would use to illustrate a spiritual lesson, which will be of great value to us in our life. So the master in this story gives his three servants resources. They are to put to work according to their ability, according to what they could accomplish. And they're to put it, these resources to work for the purpose of uh, producing an increase uh, for the household. The master then leaves, trusting his servants will follow through on the responsibility he had given them. And when the master returned after being away for a period of time, he found that, you know the story, how two of the three servants were obedient and did as the master had asked. They increased his kingdom. And the result of their faithfulness was this response from the master. Wonderful. You are good and fa- you are a good and faithful servant. I left you in charge of only a little, but now I will put you in charge of much more. And I love this line. Come and share in my happiness. The faithful and obedient servant received praise. They, the, the two of them, they shared in the master's happiness and they received a promotion. Uh, how good is that? However, however, we know the story that the one servant um, chose not to obey. He did nothing with the resources his master had given him and entrusted him with. And their masters said to him, the master responded to him saying, I can't trust you. Like when I went away, you failed to follow through on the direction I'd given you. And as a result, what this servant had was taken away 
And he was thrown out of the household where he would live a miserable life. And, and Jesus' story, that we, the story we know so well, there's a master and there's three servants. And the master, he has this responsibility of providing them with a household where they can live. This is a place where they can find provision for their life. This is a place where they can find protection for their life. Each in the household, all of them have responsibility. You know, the servants are, the servant is to serve the master in providing this household. They are to do what they can do to provide, you know, that this successful household in which they all live. The master serves his servants really by providing a place where they can live and flourish. He's not a, a slave master trying to force hardships onto his servants. The fact is, if he succeeds, they succeed. We saw that. Come and share my happiness. This is all of us. We're in this together. I did my part. You did your part. Let's party. Now, there's a parallel in the story here between us and Jesus. We know Jesus is our master. We know that we are his servants. But Jesus did not come to us as a master where he forces us into submission. He would have a right to. He is God after all. But he chose not to. Instead, Jesus says himself, I came to serve you. And when he succeeded in his mission of serving by dying on the cross on our behalf, we benefit so much from this, right? I mean, we, we win. I mean, we, we're, we have protection and provision. We have eternal life. We have, we have, uh, righteousness, his righteousness. And wow, that's so good. <laughs> and, and the, the God's word teaches us the son of man did not come to be a slave master, but a slave who will give his life to rescue many people. And indeed, this is what happened. Now, we know some people will ignore the authority of Christ in their life, and thus they're going to miss out on what he accomplished for them, the, the protection, the provision that Jesus uh, provided for us on the cross. And this is, in a sense, what the one servant the, the one servant did in our story. He, he ignored the framework of authority in which he lived. Perhaps he didn't agree with the master's direction of how he ran the household, or he felt maybe he was being controlled, uh, which was not the intention of the master at, at all. Either way, his disobedience cost the servant greatly. He lost out on living in the provision and the protection of his master's household. The other two servants, well, they submitted to the framework of authority, to the order and structure of the household where they lived, and, and they were blessed for it. And perhaps like the one servant, they didn't always agree with the master's decisions, and but nevertheless, they chose obedience, and therefore they were rewarded. And we heard the master say, and it's what we want to hear from our master, Jesus Christ, one day. In fact, I left a blank in this. I want you to put your name in this. I want you to say this to yourself. I want you to hear Jesus say to you, you did well. You are a good and loyal servant because you were loyal with small things. I will let you care for much greater things. You're getting a promotion. Now come and share my joy with me. The framework and structure of authority in place works in such a way that when the master was faithful to what he was to do and the servants were faithful in doing what they were to do, everyone flourished. They all enjoyed a healthy, successful household in which to live. All shared in the joy. So understand this. What I want us to get today is authority isn't about dominating a person or suppressing a person. Authority, the Bible speaks of a framework in which we can live to where we can best experience blessing in this imperfect, broken world. So, you know, God sets up authority then in relationships here on earth. 
like the one in Jesus' story of the servants. And the Bible talks about this kind of authority. There are passages which, uh, there are passages which can be often difficult for us to adhere to because we think we're being asked to be controlled by someone. But really, honestly, it's about trusting God and following what He has established for what He has put on earth for us in the way of authority in different relationships. And we gotta trust Him that He's bigger than any of the, the dilemmas and the problems and the misunderstandings and disagreements we have. He is in control. And so if we can, maybe can't always trust those over us, but we can trust God will take care of this, that he is in control and he will deal with the injustices and, and, and the other things that we have trouble with. So submission, having said that, like submission to authority, it doesn't mean you cannot disagree. Submission to authority does not mean that you are not to have an opinion. And submission to authority does not mean we do not recognize wrong. But ultimately, it does mean that we trust the process God has put in place. It does mean that we trust God is bigger than those problems and injustices uh, in this broken, sinful world that we're so aware of and causes us so much. Eh. It does mean that we trust God that when there's abuse and authority, he will deal with it. He is the judge. We are not the judge. He is the judge. No one will escape from this judgment. Our role as servants is to trust God, not to rebel against what God has put in place. So when we rebel, disorder sets in and, and the blessing is lost. That's what happened in this servant household. When he rebelled, disorder set in and his blessing was lost. So I want us to understand submission really is a Christian posture in life. You cannot read the Bible and not understand that we are called to be humble. We're called to submit to uh, uh, authority to God. Jesus himself exemplified this for us with his own life. He had a posture of submission to God the Father. And he came not to be served but and to control and to denom- dominate, but to serve and to rescue us from death. So our postures to submission of those in authority over us is a reflection, really, of our posture of submission to Jesus Christ. We will never deny him, even if we're asked to. We will never disobey his Ten Commandments, even when we're asked to. And we will be faithful to our Lord in the established order instruction of authority he has placed us in on this earth. So one of the places where God sets up a framework of authority so we can be protected, we can, we can flourish is in our homes. God provides a framework of authority in the home. And we, we see this. And when it comes to the marriage relationship, you know, as we read about the framework of authority God has put in place regarding marriage, think of how much blessing and, 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 and the great degree of success in a marriage relationship. What, what it would, what would it experience when we follow this framework God has set out for us? So we read in Ephesians 5, 22 to 29. A wife should put her husband first as she does the Lord. A husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head and the savior of the church, which is his own body. Wives should always put their husbands first as the church puts Christ first. A husband should love his wife as much as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. He made the church holy by the power of his word, and he made it pure by washing it with water. Christ did this so that he would have a glorious and holy church without faults or spots or wrinkles in any flaw or any flaws. 
In the same way, a husband should love his wife as much as he loves himself. A husband who loves his wife shows that he loves himself. None of us hate our own bodies. We provide for them. We take care of them just as Christ does for the church. So according to the structure God has laid out before us here, when a husband loves his wife as Christ loves the church, the husband is, is ready and willing to sacrifice for his wife. He's ready to lay down his life for his wife, just as Christ did for the church. When a husband loves his wife this way, the wife is in a position where, where she is willing to follow his leadership in the family. She, she would want to put the needs of her husband above her own, just as Christ, or as the church puts the needs of Christ first. However, when a husband sees his role as controlling, when he misuses uh, authority, when he dominates and mistreats his wife, we know dissension and division sets into the relationship. Uh, and, and there's no provision, there's no protection, which God has designed for the marriage relationship. When the husband fails to do his role as described here, we find unpleasant consequences um, taking place. The blessing is removed. In the same way, when a wife disrespects or neglects her husband and, and, you know, dissension and division sets in because the roles of husbands and wives are not about control. They are about order and structure. God has ordained for families so they can be blessed, where they can flourish even in a broken world. And I love one of the images, um, in the original language used for the word submission. It's that of a shield bearer. Right. And you know, these, these in the, in the times of war, there'd be the shield bearer who has this big shield he places out in front of him and his men as he leads them in the battle. And as they move forward, the shield bearer protects those in his care from enemy fire. In the same way, the husband and the father is this shield bearer for his family, protecting them as they lead, as they move forward. He does this with joy. He takes this responsibility seriously. Who And who wouldn't want to come and submit and, and follow that kind of leader in their family? We, we see the consequences. We, we, in our newspapers and news, we hear about the horrible consequences when uh, one or two of the, in the marriage uh, relationship, fail when, when they don't uh, do as, as God has set up for us to, to, to follow. And, and even the Bible, we see the horrible consequences of, of men when they fail to sustain this order, when they fail to protect it. I mean, right at the beginning of our history, we read how, you know, that, that Eve was tempted by, uh, by, by, by the devil to, to disobey God. And, and we read this in Genesis 3, 6, the woman was convinced. I'm going to disobey God. And she saw that the tree was beautiful and his fruit looked delicious. God remember said, don't eat of this or you will die. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. And the religion, the original language tells us Adam was right there. He was right there when this is taking place. He was not off somewhere in the distance looking on or heard about it later. He was there when she, when Eve looked, when she took, and when she ate. And he should have stepped in, but he didn't. He failed to protect his wife. He failed to protect. And as a result, the most horrible consequences came into the world. Sin came into the world. Uh, death came into the world. Hurricanes came into the world. Sickness and disease came into the world. Strife and brokenness, all because Adam did not play and fulfill his role as the husband in this relationship. So, and there's other ones I could give you for time I won't today, but when man did not step in and he failed, 
So God provides a framework of authority in our families where when we follow, it's not about controlling or dominating. It's about if we follow, it's about being blessed and about flourishing in a marriage and in the household. Secondly, God also provides a framework of authority for his church. God has also set up authorities in the church whom we are to obey and follow. When we read this in Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Talk about spiritual leaders in the church. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that the work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. So even like church leaders, they're going to give an account, right? They, they're going to be held to a higher account than, than the rest of us. And we are to obey them so, so that their work is a joy and it's not a burden. And if we don't, there, here's, there's the consequences. It's not going to be advantage to you. You're, you're going to regret, you know, um, rebelling against that. So we know that church splits are just these horrible things. And can we agree that God did not establish his church for the course uh, for, for the purpose of discord and dissension, right? Divided churches really hurt the work of the church and the lives of its people and even in its community. And when you study church splits, and, I, and I, I've studied a lot of church growth and, and what helps churches grow and what hinders church to grow, and I would found that almost in every single case, you can trace a church split back to a few people, sometimes even just one person who would not come under the authority of church leadership. And I was studying just a case recently, like just two weeks ago, of a church split uh, where uh, Ann uh, Graham Lotz, Billy Graham's daughter, was talking about. And it's the same thing. A couple of guys, a couple of people just would not come to the authority of leadership. And what typ- typically happens in a church split, it did in this one and it does in most of them, is you find that these who uh, are, are rebelling against authority have set up their own ministry with their own little following in the church. They've never officially come to the pastor and leadership saying, this is what I would like to do. Does this fit in with your vision and the mission of our church? You are the spiritual leader. Can I receive your blessing? They don't do that. They just do it. And often it, it you know, leads to the church being divided because they are their own authority. And it's really scary when people will not come under the authority of the church. There's so much. I've seen churches dwindle and lose so much because of a few who would not come under the authority of, 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 of leadership. Now, just like the government, just like in marriage, maybe you don't always agree with the directions of church leadership. You may even be right in this in a situation you are. And the leadership might be wrong, but it isn't about control. It is a, it isn't about being, you know, rebelling against what you think should be done. It's about ex- submitting to the order that God has established. It's about coming under the umbrella of authority God has created and leaders will give an account, but so will we who disobey. And this applies to all of us. Like this applies to me as a pastor. I remember when I came to this district three years ago. Now our district is known as the toughest district in all of the country for being licensed and and having your your ordination transferred. Now, I was ordained like 30 years ago. I had to serve first for two years as lead pastor. I had to prove to my denomination there was fruit in my ministry. I had the gifting and the calling of ministry. I had an interview. I did all of that. It took two years to be ordained. And so for the last 30 years, um, I've been ordained. But when it came to this district, they put me through, I'm mean, just to transfer my ordination from the same denomination that they share a school with. I had to 
I mean, it took me three years and a lot of work. In fact, I will tell you from this past January to April, I, I mentioned before, I almost thought about retiring with so much overwhelming work that I had to do just to transfer my ordination. Um, and plus of all the church renewal work I do and church work. And this is all during COVID. I didn't think I was going to get through it. I really didn't. I wanted to rebel. I can't tell you how much I wanted to get up and make a stink and rebel. But I submitted because I'm under the authority of our church of our district. I, it was more important to me to be an obedient follower than a disobedient rebel. And I just finished a month ago and I'm so happy. It took like three years, but I'm so happy. But the important thing, the lesson I learned was when I wanted to rebel, when I wanted to make a fuss, when I wanted to say, no, I'm not coming under, I'm not doing what you asked me to do. Um, I didn't do that. I, I, I submitted. And it's humbling. It's humbling to follow, especially when you feel like I'm equipped for this. I know it's humbling to say, I'm going to submit to what God has ordained in my church in the way of leadership. I asked just this last Wednesday, even really before I knew I was going to speak on this topic, when God said, Mark, you got to deal with this. I asked a young man that I, that I mentor. He pastors, he's an associate pastor in a, in a fairly established church. He began in May 2020, so it's been over a year he's pastored. And I asked him this Wednesday, now tell me, what do you know today that you didn't know when you began the ministry? What, what you know, over in a year and, and a half, like what, what is it that you were learning about ministry that you didn't know? And he said, you know, this is it, Mark. It's the weight of emotional pressure and burden a pastor carries. I had no idea. And I don't think my people have any idea. And I would be a better lay person one day knowing, uh, and, you know, the understanding that I don't know everything that leadership goes through. And so it, it you know, it's, 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 it would be rebellious to me to think I do know and fight against that not knowing. In fact, I told you that one of the reasons why I'm talking about authority today is my son-in-law, Russell, sent me a message saying, you got to watch this teaching by Dr. Jim Derrimo. Uh, and, and, and listen to what he shares about um, humble, being humble before leadership. Like I had to be and like we all have to be before those over us in authority in the church. Watch this video. Let me also challenge you to be humble. You may not know all of the issues and dynamics that are going on in the life of the leaders and the decisions that they have to make. Boy, if there's one thing that, that ministry with a group of elders has taught me over the course of a decade of ministry is that I was completely unaware of the burden of responsibility that those who lead in the church carry. And the, the moment I walked away from a particular role of ministry, there was just this lightening of that burden but that burden stayed with those who stayed in that leadership capacity. Be humble and recognize that those who lead over you carry a burden that you may be completely unaware of. And that honestly, like that word submission, that Greek word submission, they are protecting you from that. And there's been so many times in my life where I have seen that play out, where an issue comes up and I don't have to carry it home. Because there's a leader that I have placed myself in submission to, they have to carry that burden and I'm freed up from it. So celebrate that. Find humility in that. Recognize that you may not know everything and have the full perspective that is in place. I also want to say in the midst of that, um, we find some good examples of this. David, by the way, trusting God when it comes to King Saul and just saying, I'm not going to harm the king. We find God at times judging those who are not like this. We find those who are in rebellion against Moses being judged and even swallowed up. 
it's appropriate for us to respond in submission and humility when, when God has placed a leader over us. We need to understand that submission to church leadership or any leadership for that matter is voluntary. No one's going to force you. But know this, when we rebel, when we don't follow through on the order God has set up, disorder comes in and dissension and division comes in. And there are consequences to that. Finally, the Bible speaks about how God provides a framework of authority for our land. In Romans 13, 1 to 2, it says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except the which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring punishment on themselves. Now, we struggle with this scripture, don't we? Because, you know, we, we don't put this scripture on coffee cups. <laughs> we don't hang them on our fridge. And I've never heard anyone say Romans 13, 1, 2 is my life verse. Like I, I just come to tears when I think about how to submit to authorities and the governing authorities. I, I don't hear that. And we may not always agree, right, with, with our government's decisions. I know I don't. I'm certain, I'm certain you don't, but God says they're, they're there on my permission. I've established them. And when you disobey them, you're disobeying me. And there are consequences. He said that in his word. He is very clear. Though those who do so will bring judgment on themselves when they dis- disobey and rebel. So as long as the government is not asking me to disobey one of God's Ten Commandments, I submit to their leadership. I pray for my leaders. It isn't about being controlled, but it's about maintaining the order that God has established in place. He is in control. I'm trusting Him. I don't always trust my leaders, but I trust Him who's over them and in control of this. And if I choose to rebel against the authority God has put in place, I don't want the consequences of that. So, like I've said this before, I mean, just to kind of help us understand simply what I'm trying to say or what the Bible's trying to say, what if we decided today that we will all day drive on the left-hand side of the road instead of the right-hand side of the road? Or what if we chose today, I don't like red lights, I don't want to stop red lights, I'm going to drive through every red light. The result of that decision, of that rebellion against authority, will be chaotic. It will cause a lot of casualties, not only in your life, but in the lives of others. And, you know, if we think, you know... That's how we can see control and we understand that it's, it's, it's not about me. It's about what God has established so that things can run smoother, even in a broken, sinful word. Because authority is more about order than it is control. Again, authority isn't about dominating a person or suppressing a person. Authority in the Bible speaks of a framework in which we are to live where we can best experience blessings in a perfect, imperfect, sinful world. So I want to close today. I love this story I'm about to share with you. I remember reading this in my very first pastorate. You probably heard the story, but it, it illustrates, I think, really well what happens when we don't humble ourselves. When we think I'm right and they're wrong and I will not give in to uh, authority. Uh, and so it, it illustrates the, 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 the consequences and the perils of what could happen when we don't submit. So you probably know the story. It's about a battleship that has been at sea and it's root in routine maneuvers under heavy weather for days. And the captain who was worried about the, this weather deteriorating, uh, the conditions were getting worse. He stayed up on the bridge to keep an eye on all the activities because he's in charge. He's the leader. And one night, the lookout on the bridge suddenly shouted, Captain, a light bearing on the starboard bow. It is, is it stationary or moving astern? The captain asked. The lookout replied, it is stationary. This meant the battleship was on a dangerous collision course with this other ship. So the captain immediately ordered his signalman to single the ship. 
We are on a collision course. I advise you to change course 20 degrees east. Back came a response from the other ship. You change course 20 degrees west. Agitated by the arrogance of the response, the captain asked a single man to shout out another message, shoot out another message that says this, I am a captain, you change course 20 degrees east. Came back the second response, I am a second class seaman. I mean, that's nothing, right? You had still better change course 20 degrees west. The captain is furious. This time, like, how dare he sub and support you know, his uh, his authority? He shouted to the single man, send back this final message. I am a battleship. Change course 20 degrees east right now. Back came the flashing response. I'm a lighthouse. Suggest you change course 23, 20 degrees west. The captain submitted and changed course, lest there be horrible consequences for he and all his men. God has set up this framework. And so many times we're going to have to be humble in it. Sometimes we may not always like it. But when we follow it, we are protected. There is provision and there is blessing in life. And so would we take two minutes and would you just say, God, I know that you can know there's some rebellion in me. Maybe it's in marriage. Maybe it's in the church. Maybe it's in my land. And Lord, forgive me for that. For I understand that you've established these things. This is, this is a structure and a framework you have put in place. Not that I might be controlled, that, but said I may flourish and be blessed. And this isn't a perfect world. This isn't, I mean, God, people get it wrong, but it's not, it's God who's above these things. He's in charge. And unless someone says disobey God, I will submit to authority and, and in the framework that God has provided. Would you be honest enough to say, God, is there an area, there's an area I'm struggling in and listen to him and um, respond to him in obedience today? Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. 
Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at The Gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.